Hello. That's how that's how I answer the phone in that tone. Hello. Where'd you learn that? I don't know. Probably my I bet it was my dad. I feel like there was this person that I knew, I can't remember who it was, but like you know the episode of The Simpsons whenever uh Mr. Sparkle. Yeah, I mean I have a t shirt with yeah, Mr. Sparkle. The, Japanese guy answers the phone. He's like, he's like, hey, let's talk. Why not? And like, I knew someone that tried to adopt that. And I fucking hated it. Oh yeah, that sounds annoying. You can't just steal something from show and do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember I had a a voicemail that was like a joke voicemail recording? People people began to protest because I had it for like eight years. Do you remember it? In Soviet Russia, phone answers you. (laughs) People got sick of it. I didn't give a fuck, though. (laughs) Dude. So I have have this note file, you know, with just various things that I'm like, oh, maybe I could bring this up on the podcast. But sometimes I I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote it down. I have this one that it's just one thing and it says T equals thug C squared. <laughs> These are the thoughts. I stayed up to like 4 a.m. the other day. Yeah, I noticed the other night you were like texting me and I was like, you know, I was like taking a bath or something and <laughs> you were, we were talking about Frasier and it was like mm. past like one in the morning and I was like, damn, Jazz is up late. Sometimes if if the mood strikes me, I just I don't I don't know. I don't I don't let myself be chained down by by time. That's why I like working the swing shift. Cuz I can still get up early if I want to and then, you know, work out and do whatever. Ooh, speaking of which, so I was at work and this this driver came in to drop off his shit and uh he looks over and he's like, you been lifting weights, man? Really? And he goes, you looking kind of swole. <laughs> you can't deny that fucking made you feel good. Oh, I've been, I've been strutting around for the past like 27 hours. Like, yeah. Finally. Finally, somebody noticed. I mean, I've known, but that's because I know your workout. You like, you like just, you, I remember that one night we were eating pizza and then after the pizza you like showed me it's pretty intensive. I enjoy it. It feels good. I'd probably be really depressed if I didn't work out. God, dude. I've been thinking lately. I I do not want to deal with this next presidential election. Oh, God. It's going to be a madhouse. Ugh. It's... 
sick of it, dude. I'm sick of the, I'm like every thing, every topic to, to the political, every fucking topic that these political people bring up is always max level end of the world. Like, holy fucking shit. This is the most important thing ever. It gets exhausting, dude. Like I can't. If every election, the entire fate of the world and our lives is on the line, we're not, we're, we're doing something wrong, first of all. And I just, I don't want to deal with it, dude. Give me a fucking break. I'd rather, I would rather have a king. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> he was swaying you. That's interesting. What kind of points was he bringing up? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an early lesson in in political science studies that a benevolent dictatorship is the most sta- stable on, form of government. Naturally, because the dictator is benevolent, but there's no bureaucracy to bog down, um, you know, progress or f- fixing problems and shit like that. We're just talking about stability there. We're not talking yeah. about necessarily progress or whatever. Yeah, obviously, this, yeah, because you mentioned stability, and I'm pretty sure this guy was quite conservative. Uh huh. So, obviously, the base. Conservatives want to keep things as they are. Well, every political ideology needs stability. I mean, not, nothing works if we don't have stability. If you can't rely on the, the power grid and the system of laws and the general peace of your society, things that break down very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah! Oh, dude, I was watching this. I found this YouTube video mm. about this guy. Um, I think he has a YouTube channel called Truth from the Streets. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he lives in Portland. And it's basically like him documenting himself, like interacting with the homeless. This guy is a fucking angel. Oh, yeah. He's yes. nice to him, or? Oh, he's, he wants to help them. Ah. Uh. He is like a, he's like Jesus. Minus the religion. But anyway, I mean, like, but he's like been... He's been stabbed two times. He's had the shit beaten out of him multiple times. I think he's been shot at. Guy's going in the danger zone. Yes. Let me take you right. Well, that's admirable. There's a great line in the the Carl Urban movie, Dread. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Dread is, is talking to the rookie and he's like, you think you can make a difference in a block like this? <laughs> and she's like, I, I was born and raised in a block like this. I know that there are good people here. Yes, I believe I can make a difference. And Dredd looks over at her and he goes, admirable. Oh. So you see, even though Dredd is very mm, harsh in his disciplinary methods and very grim in certain ways, yeah, he respects the idealist. He respects... He's got a good. He's got. He's got a good moral code. God, that movie's sick. 
Well, if you haven't seen Dread, then you're missing out on uh, Alex Garland's. I don't actually. I don't think he directed that. Can you look that? Did he direct that? I don't think he did. There's, no, the first movie he directed was Ex Machina. No, I just know, because I'm fucking genius. Um, he wrote the screenplay for Dread, though. Dread, directed by Pete Travis. Pete Travis. Yes, but never heard of him. He did write the screenplay. Yeah, Alex Garland is the shit. He's my favorite screenwriter. He he wrote The Beach. He wrote a lot of uh, Danny Boyle movies. He wrote, God, I, my brain is fucking mush. Well, yeah, either way, man, I'm really dreading the next 18 months of fucking hysteria and moralizing and I I just want to watch Frasier, man. Frasier is the greatest sitcom of all time. It's just, it's, it's unstoppably hilarious still to this day. Some some comedy shows, they didn't necessarily age all that well. Like if you, I feel like if you watch Arrested Development now, it's not as funny as it was back then. Something about it, it feels dated. Yeah, and it has this very linear storyline. It kind of feels like if you don't start from like season one, episode one, you know, there's all these um, throwbacks and like inside jokes that. I mean, for comedy, maybe. I think linear story storylines for dramas obviously are much better. Here's one that I don't, that X-Files, when it was episodic, I yeah. it. When it became linear, lost, lost interest. <laughs> Well, I think you can. I think X Files did both. I mean, what you you didn't like the later seasons of the X Files? Not really. What? There's so, so many good episodes. I mean, I would try them again, but I remember getting. Uh, I started tuning out again. You you remember that um, episode X Cops? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a it's like cops shot like the show Cops, but it, Mulder and Scully are up in it. Oh, you know, that's that's a really good episode. I think it's season seven or eight. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the best episode. Yeah, I watched that pretty recently. I don't remember the name, though. The one that we used to watch all the time on that VHS? Yeah. God, that episode's amazing. It's incredibly funny and cool. Well-told story. I love, uh, I love that part where he's like, God... You know, because the, the she, it's Scully's talking to that old man, mm-hmm. and he's like reading. Yeah, he's reading the script, and then like it basically, as they're reading the script, it cuts to like the abduction scene. Uh huh. And then that weird monster comes down. It's like, "Be <laughs> not afraid. Come with me, and I shall." And then it cuts to Mulder reading. Yeah, uh, like, it's Mulder. He's like, "Show with me." <laughs> God, it was such a good show. I was just telling a, a buddy the other day that I think a good inheritor to the show, The X-Files, and it's not as good as The X-Files, but I think it took up the mantle acceptably well, is the show Fringe. 
Never watched it. It's actually pretty good. Um, okay. Well, we've just been meandering this whole time. I had... We'll chop it down. So let's get on track here. I don't know. Maybe we should just meander this episode. Fuck it. Okay. Um, so one thing I found out the other day... Well, I didn't find it out. I, I, I asked myself a question. I was, I was ruminating on the nature of talls. Talls versus shorts. As in yeah, because the truth is, is that we live in a world ruled by talls. It's almost um, tyrannical. And look, I have proof. Okay. Okay, tell me the proof. Joe Biden. Tell me the short conspiracy theories. Joe Biden six feet. Donald Trump six three. Barack Obama six two. Oh my God. George W. Bush six. Clinton, 6'2". Reagan, 6'1". Jimmy Carter, 5'10". Lame duck president. One, <laughs> one term. Gerald Ford, 6 feet. Nixon, 6 feet. Lyndon Johnson, 6'4". Kennedy, 6'1". It goes, it goes on. I'm just saying. Yeah, man. And like, look, I understand everyone is sickened by shorts. Even shorts are sickened, are disgusted by by ourselves and others. Nobody likes shorts. But shorts do have a, um, certain advantages. I think shorts can be more stealthy. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you've never seen a tall ninja. No. You know what I mean? But, you know, being tall is not everything. I was just telling a um, person I was hanging out with the story of Scary Gary. Oh, you've heard it. Scary Gary was a man that I worked with at a sushi restaurant. And he was tall. But it did not serve him. He was an incel. Of the, of the worst type. Yeah, there's a tall guy that I work with who's like that. Really? Poorly socialized people I've ever worked with. Ooh. Yeah, man. Gary. I mean, Gary was worse. Mm-hmm. When Gary, so Gary was old as fuck, dude, and he got hired as a dishwasher. I mean, he was like in his sixties. Really tall, skinny guy, like white hair. Terrible posture. No, okay. not terrible posture. He had strikingly blue eyes almost disturbingly even his fingernails were all fucked up I remember but anyway so this dude's in his 60s he gets hired as a fucking dishwasher you know so like that right there it's like well what's going on with this guy then Suman <laughs> who was uh, a young buck that worked there he was the son of the owner Suman Suman it was, all, it was all Koreans, but they hired uh, a sushi Yeah. They hired a couple of whites to. A couple of whites. Yeah. I mean, there, there was actually more um, Latino people working there than whites, but it was, it was ruled by the, the Koreans. And um, Sumin told me that 
Gary had been, um, he was a felon. And, and he wouldn't give me the, the details of what had happened, but he said it, it was related to like harassing, harassment or like stalking. Gary was very weird. You know, he was a fucking loser, man. He would talk, he would tell me like, I think he lived with his sister or something. And he was always talking about how his sister was really mad at him. And he'd be like, yeah, my brother came over. He bought me a pair of sneakers, new pair of sneakers. And he, t he said to me, Gary, you'll never make anything of yourself. I thought you were going to say he's always talking about how hot his sister is. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> he was really horny. Like, uh, like sometimes Suman would come. There were some other young guys that were like, these guys were like 18. And Suman would come in the back and he'd be like, he'd be like dude, check out this, this fucking hot chick out in, in the lobby. No, Suman would to the other like eighteen year old guys, you know. They would want to go peep some fucking hottie. And they would they would all walk over to like the island the island station where you could see into the dining room and they would like be like, oh and Gary would always roll up and be like, Let me see. <laughs> and he would always do this thing, he would go, Don't get me started. <laughs> like, oh my god, don't even get me started. He would he would always say that. And um, I don't know, all in all, I did. I thought he was fairly normal. I didn't really, I mean, I, I knew he had that fucking weird shit, but I thought, oh, maybe this guy, you know, just got, had a problem with a, a woman or something, you know, and, and then it turned, it got out of hand. I mean, people make mistakes, they get emotional. I didn't realize Gary was fucked up at first. I just thought he was horny. And then um, this girl came to work at, at, at the restaurant. She was like a young, she was, this chick was 18. She was just, had just graduated high school. Ugh, and she, let me tell you, dude. Gary got started. I, okay, first of all, I'm saying, I'm only describing this girl in this way. I, I was not, I would never tried to hit on her or anything. I wouldn't try to go after a girl that young, but she was, gorgeous i mean she was like a and like an innocent fucking christian princess you know like uncorrupted by the world and so so just beautiful in 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 body and spirit you know that's the vibe this this young lady gave off and um <clears throat> but you know i am a nice uh, personable fellow so I would, I would chat with Rose all the time. And sometimes Gary would come over and he would be like, how do you make, I'll say her name, it doesn't matter. How do you make Rose smile like that? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I don't know, man. I, I hate to say it to you, Gary, but you'll never fucking make it happen. And then Rose actually did start to complain. She'd be like, Gary's always looking at me. And I, and I realized like, oh God, he's creeping on Rose, dude. I mean, there must have been a 40 year age gap between these two. Plus he was, Gary was a loser. His brother bought him his shoes. He was a dishwasher. I mean, I, anyway, um, so, oh, and then one time Gary came over because there was another cute girl that worked there. She was young too, but probably, I don't know, 22 or something, 24. 
and she was the nicest human like one of those one of those naively nice young ladies who you know would like pick up hitchhikers and shit like that and like li listen to pe people's sob stories and shit and uh <clears throat> one day I, I was i was actually friends with with her like we would hang out at all the time and um I told her she was leaving work early and I told I was like okay I'll come over after after I get off shift and then as soon as she left Gary came up, up to me because she lived like on the same street as the restaurant like a quarter mile down and Gary comes over to me and he, I lived really close as well like a block and he comes over after she left and he goes so which which house is is Allison's house and I was like, I'm not fucking telling you that shit, dude. So I, I just was like, oh, I don't know, man, it's down there somewhere. And then I went over to Allison's and I was, and I told her, I was like, dude, Gary was asking me exactly which house you live in. Wait, this is the good looking sweet girl or No, the Ro well, Allison was good looking, but okay. she was, it wasn't Rose. Ro okay, Rose was nice. I'll go back to Rose. Okay, yeah. I'm just adding context here because yeah, yeah, and so I went over to Allison's and I was like, dude, he was asking where you, where you lived, and she she was like, oh, really? That's weird, because uh, we were going to go on a hike this weekend, and I was like, you're not going on a hike with Gary alone. Like, I'm not letting you do that. That's insane. <laughs> Stupid, silly girl. So anyway, there were, the, the this was all to say that there were red flags, okay? And then one night, it was like the hottest night of the year. It was also incredibly busy. Maybe the busiest night I ever worked at that restaurant. And shit slammed. Um, and I, I look over. It's me. Oh, it's, it's Rose's last night at the restaurant. She's going to college, like out of state. This is her final evening. It's incredibly busy. And I, I noticed that Gary, he didn't seem, he seemed sick. He had like, he kept grimacing, you know? And I was, I, I actually asked, I was like, are you okay, Gary? And he told me his stomach hurt. And so um, we're in the middle of the fucking dinner slam. And I realized that the dish tubs are piling up and we're, we're running out of clean dishes. So I go in the back and, and then Gary's not back there. And I asked the cook, like, where's Gary? And he goes, I don't, I don't know. And so I, lo I looked around everywhere for him, and Gary was nowhere to be found. He wasn't in the bathroom or anything. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do dishes. And so I'm doing, I, I start fucking doing my thing. It out. Yeah, I was a master dishwasher. I graduated to server, but I started as a dishwasher there. Yeah, I, I, taught, I taught Gary everything he knew. <laughs> about dishwashing <laughs> um but anyway i'm back there going ham on these dishes and suddenly rose uh comes running into the kitchen and she looks really freaked out and then she crouches down and she's like crying oh my God. and i go over i'm like what's what's going on are you okay and she goes gary's outside taking pictures of me and i'm like what so me, I go out there and Suman's out, out in front of the restaurant and I, I go and pair up with Suman and Gary's across the street with a fucking camera, like a, a real camera. like a real camera with a long telephoto lens. Oh 
and he's like standing behind this fucking uh, telephone pole. Just, <laughs> he's snapping photos from across the street through the window of the restaurant of Rose. And Suman and I walk up to him and we're like, Gary, what are you doing? And he doesn't reply to us. He just keeps snapping photos. But he's taking photos of the front of the restaurant. Rose is in the kitchen in the back hiding from this guy. And Suman's like, dude, Gary, you got to stop. Like, you're, you're going to get fired. And Gary, he just doesn't, he won't even acknowledge us. And then Suman goes, he's, he's blocking the camera. And Gary's moving it about, you know, mm-hmm. continuing to frenziedly snap. And then Suman goes, Gary, I'm going to call the cops. And Gary goes, I don't care. <laughs> and he just starts sprinting towards the restaurant and like desperately snapping photos. And then, you know, we're just watching him. And then he just takes like, a, he, I think he just takes a few like up close photos and then runs off into the night. And we never saw him again. He gave up his job. He quit in the middle of his shift to go home, get a camera and take photos of this girl that apparently he was far more obsessed with Jesus. than I, I realized, you know? And uh, yeah, it was fucked up obviously very inappropriate but you know what i do feel bad for gary like i i understand i understand gary dude i understand what it is to be alone and horny and and to be that old who knows how long if ever gary's known the touch of a woman i'm i'm not excusing his behavior in any way I understand the demon, dude. Yes, you understand the beast that's inside of Gary. That T, that raging ocean of T. T does not equal thug C squared. No. It's, it's, there's, it's a more monstrous formula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has to be like harnessed and balanced. You have to master the T. I mean, Cameron was right in a way. <laughs> I think he I think he didn't put it in the best phrasing but it's true you you ha- you can't let the tea run rampant you can't let it control you what happened after he ran off he disappeared into the night yeah but was there any sort of like police report or like i think they called the police yeah taken by the honestly probably not because they were korean dude they didn't give a fuck i mean they thought it was fucked up but they're not gonna like go through a bunch of effort they got money to make we did well we okay so we like walked rose to her car and stuff we didn't just let her run wild yeah we weren't like yeah go out there i'm sure he's gone (laughs) god dude that is so fucking sad gary he was tall i mean look what would you say it was six three six four I saw a, a girl in a video um, on on YouTube once. She was talking. She was saying, "If you're ugly, this was in reference to men. If you're ugly but you're tall, you're still attractive." And it was like a devastating knife to my heart. <laughs> she never met Gary. She never met Gary. Turns out, personality does matter a little. I don't have short man syndrome. I know you don't. 
I really don't. I just think, I think it's a fascinating dynamic in the same way that I enjoy thinking about, um, white people who really love black culture and like wish more than anything that they could, uh, they could be a part of it. I love thinking about the dynamics of shorts v talls. So I don't know, man. A message to the short kings. Don't sell yourself short, boys. Tell boy who's deep.